How's that? There we go. All right. Okay, we'll recover. We'll recover. Um, that's good. Thank you. Thank you for the warning. But um, I do want to encourage you, go, um, you can go to westark.org slash VBS 2018, or if you uh, have that app that Aubrey was mentioning, you can go in that way. Uh, we need creative people. We need non-creative people. We need people who are working, but you will make a big difference. This year, uh, we've got our children's minister on board. Um, She's uh, got great ideas. That's Alyssa. She's got great ideas for VBS. This year, our, uh, our, our wagey, our youth group, is going to be helping us with that this year and, uh, and Lions for Christ, so we want everybody on board. Um, you're not too old to help out. You're not too young to help out. Well, yeah, actually, you are too young to help out because at a certain age, you actually enjoy VBS, but everybody can participate. Um, so... We'll, put, we'll post that video online, and I want to encourage you to come and be a part of it. Ask me questions if you've got any later. We, uh, we have been looking at the Gospel of Luke and talking about the end game. And the end game is what we're calling this strategy, this intentional living, between the resurrection of, uh, of Jesus Christ and his return when he comes back. You and I are stuck between those times. We find ourselves here at this time, at this place, in between those times. And so what does that mean? What kind of lives ought we to be living? That's the question before us. In Luke 14, Jesus has one of many stories about being at table. Now, every time we hear of a table in Scripture, we think, well, this is some reference to the Lord's Supper. This has got to be some reference to communion. It could be, but it could also be about the simplicity of ordinary life. You know, in, um, we think there's a lot of effort and energy that goes into preparing table in, in this day and age. But when you had to make everything, and you had to be sure that everything was there, and when a feast or a banquet was, was quite the thing, there's a lot that goes into it. So, you're going to invest certain manners and rules and expectations in that moment. Because not only is it a good moment to celebrate, it also sustains life. And you may or may not have food. And so any time at table is truly a feast. So here's Jesus at table. And he's noticing the way that people interact in this environment. And he uses this as a moment to speak about the kingdom. Jesus is the guest invited to a banquet at the home of another. And he says to his host, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Now hearing this, there was a man sitting at the table with Jesus and he exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests... Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began 
making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had all said. And his master was furious. And he said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out to the country lanes behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come, all so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. It's a kind of an odd parable, I'm going to admit. But let's just hold it for a second and figure out what it all means. One of the things, as I said, was is that, uh, you know, preparing um, table time now takes a lot of effort, but it was even more so back then. And yet, I'm fully aware that preparing feasts and banquets now takes a lot of effort. You know, did you, did you pick up your bulletin on the way in? I do hope you pick those up. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into that every week, and I'm not just talking about other people. I do it now. And so... Uh, I've got a lot of respect for those who used to, but be sure and pick that up. And um, we we had to fit three wedding shower announcements in the bulletin this week. Uh, And you've got to squeeze and you've got to change font sizes and edit a lot to get that in there. But three, and that tells me that this is the wedding season. We We are moving into the wedding season. Oh, there's going to be a lot of effort on that. And uh, I've got one of those this summer, so get your plans in early. Uh, I can't take too many of those. Uh, otherwise, I, it gets confusing, and you get the names mixed up, and you might marry the wrong people. So I, I have to limit myself at my age now. But there's so much that goes into this, and I just saw the decorations for the shower today. And it's so beautiful, and everything's just so pretty. And there's, a, there's like, you know, there's the candles, and, the, and it, it kind of looks old-fashioned, but it's also nice and graceful. And there's this little bird cage on top of the uh, uh, table. Now, do you know why they put the bird cage there? I'm asking because I really don't know. None of this makes any sense to me. And uh, these details are very hard for a guy like me. Uh, I, but we're getting a lot of these invitations that have RSVP on it, which is uh, short for really special, valuable person. And that means that I've got a special seat at all of these. The, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed with this is that when you're putting together these, uh, these banquets and these showers and these weddings, getting the guest list right is of great importance. And for all of you who are planning weddings or events like this, maybe this year or in the future, this is the thing that you will probably stress out about. Uh, and, and if not, maybe you should. I know this much, that getting the guest list right is enough 
stuff that you can get comedy material out of that. And whenever you can get comedy material out of something, you know that that's something that in our world we have a little bit of a problem with or we have anxiety with. Yeah, you, you, who do you invite? Who do you not invite? I mean, who, you don't want to miss out on anybody, but you can't have everybody. So who do we say it's okay to come? And who? Do, well, we got to invite them, but we don't, nobody wants to invite them. But we've got to invite them. So th- we're not really going to enjoy their presence here, and they won't enjoy themselves. But still, they have to come. And uh, and then you have the whole matter of where you seat people. Because you can't have certain people sitting next to one another. And then you always have this one random table that's back there that all of the people who don't even know each other just show up. And they're like, how did you get in here? Uh, you know, I'm, so if you're, that, if you're that person at that table, you enjoy that. You get, to be one of the, you get to be one of the random people. You're the mysterious stranger that gets to show up and be a part of that. But uh, there's so much effort that goes into this, and it would have been the same for the, for the host in the first world, or in the first century, that would have been putting this together. Uh, that there would have been this concern that who you invite, it had to be people of your same social status. Because they would then return the favor. And, and this is where I love watching stuff like this, even though I don't even understand it very much, because then you get the rules of etiquette in there. Now, now you already know we're in danger when you have RSVP, which I know what that really means, and it's French. And then you have etiquette, which is also French. By the time you have two French words describing what's going on, that ought to be a warning sign, okay? That, that means that we don't have words in English to handle this, and maybe there's a reason Okay, it's telling us we should back off. Etiquette says you must reciprocate when you are invited to a party. I never have figured out who etiquette, say, who etiquette is and why etiquette says all this stuff, but, you know, it's, it's the thing you're supposed to do. And we all know that. I mean, even if it's just gratitude, you show a little bit of gratitude. One of the stories that I love. But, it, again, this can create pressure. This can create a lot of stress. One of my mentors, um, Charles Seibert, he would tell the story of a church that he worked for where there were people showing hospitality, young people who were showing uh, really, you know, having parties and they were inviting people. And then every time they did that, somebody had to have a party to show kindness, reciprocity. You had to be reciprocal. And these people were just getting so stressed. Because every party had to outdo the next one or it had to be just as good and you had to have the right kind of plates and the right kind of silverware and the right kind of serving and and all of this had to come together just so. And then Charles tells a part of the story where realizing what was going on, one of the uh, elder couples there who were very, very wise people, very smart and sharp, they noticed this stress with the young people And so they said, we're going to invite all of you to our house. Well, of course, everybody expects them to really pour it on because they're thinking, okay, these people, they've been at this for a while. They really know how to put on a banquet. This is going to be good. And when all the young people got there, they sat down and they served them peanut butter sandwiches. They sat down on the floor. They sat down on the floor. They just laid out a blanket and they said, we don't have enough chairs. Everybody's just going to sit on the floor. Here's peanut butter sandwiches. 
Well, here comes dessert, and they're thinking, well, dessert maybe, that'll make up for it and everything. They get popsicles. They're not even out of the package. They get popsicles. They hand it around to everybody. And as they're sitting there and they're, they're, they're eating this, and actually everybody rather enjoying it, the older couple says, this is not reciprocity. This is hospitality. And, and, and some, sometimes it helps us to know the difference in that. Jesus said... Jesus said, God will reward you for inviting those who cannot repay you. That's a, that's a strange statement. And, and I think we have to be careful that um, we don't use this as a means of getting a prize from God. Well, I'm going to always take care of people who can't pay me back. I'm going to refuse to let anybody pay me back. That would be like everybody running for the old broken chair at the banquet because you're waiting for the host to call you up to the front. Oh, no, I'm getting that last seat because that's the ticket to get to the best seat. We're misunderstanding the teaching of Jesus. Jesus is saying that in the kingdom we practice true hospitality, which meant love and kindness and care for those that we don't know. Those who do, we don't have in our same social circle. Now, I say that's a strange statement because it's tough. Because honestly, I've gotten to know all you people, and I love all you people. And I care about you, and you're my people. And I hope that I'm one of your people. And it's really easy for me to get to know you and to work with you. But then when people from the outside come in, well, we got to check them out. we got to make sure that they're not going to fleece us. we got to make sure that they're okay. I mean... That's the kind of stuff that, that we can worry about. Or, or, or even our human nature can get into it and we can say, you know what? What we have to do is we have to make sure that we show some kindness here because we depend on those people. So, so those people take good care of us. We'll take good care of them. We'll, one, one, you know, one hand washes the other. We're all going to help each other out. That's human nature. Jesus is leading us to a kingdom way of doing things where God has already outdone all of us and he has blown being reciprocal out of the water. We cannot reciprocate the grace that he has shown us. We just have to accept it, receive it, and live into it. We use this print during the communion. And it might have been an unusual print to see during communion. We expect to see the standard symbols, uh, wine, bread, uh, something referring to that, maybe just a cross in the background, just something simple. We kind of like generic symbols that we can attach whatever meaning we want to it. But this print, this illustration by a fellow named Fritz Eichenberg, he did uh, these, these prints in, in the first half of the 20th century. And he, Eichenberg was really interested in what the gospel meant to the poor, to the homeless. Remember, this is during the uh, days of the Depression. And uh, this is a scene that you would, would be very natural at a, um, uh, at a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen. Uh, people who are out of work. Did you notice that one of the fellows has a set of crutches next to him? Uh, there's people of different races there. These are the people who might be the outcasts in certain places. And at the head of the table with his back to us is Jesus. And there's even a stranger coming in the door. 
Eichenberg, in doing this print, is preaching his illustrated sermon, and he's saying Jesus would probably be found not just in the select banquet hall of the day, but he would also be found among those who would not expect to find his presence there. And I think it takes us deep into the heart of what the communion table means and what it means to be a part of the community of God. You and I do not invite anyone into the kingdom. I'm not saying we don't do that and we should. I'm saying we can't. No more so than you can invite people over to my house or I can invite people over to your house. Now, we already know that breaks the rules of etiquette and good manners. I'm supposed to invite people to my house. You invite people to your house. That's my house. That's your house. That's your business. If we invite people into the kingdom of God, whose kingdom is it? It's God's. He's the one doing the invitation. We are all guests. We get so busy and worked up with the idea of being the host. And honestly, we are all the guests. And so when we do participate in showing hospitality or inviting people into our lives and what we're doing, we need to do it just like God and invite people in who have no hope of ever repaying us. And honestly, that's not what we're concerned about. We're not concerned about the payback. We're more concerned about the grace. We're more concerned about the joy and the love. That's what happens in this parable. Did you notice that the the workman goes out and calls everyone to the banquet? Now, in this parable, the, the master would have planned for this banquet. It would have been set up in advance. He would have invited his people, his neighbors, uh, the people who maybe worked with him, the people who uh, uh, he wanted to do business with. This banquet would have been set up well in advance. And then on the day when it's ready, his servant goes out and invites people in and says, today's the day, the banquet's ready, come to the master's banquet. That's how invitation and messages work in that world and you know that the host is wealthy because he's got a servant in his house and these people give their excuses now this is not the excuse of someone who doesn't really want to go you know if uh you you know the old story you know I, i never understood this it was like on the old shows the guy will call up the girl and she says i can't go out tonight i'm washing my hair really I mean, people accepted that as an excuse. It's like, what does that take? 15 minutes? Oh, no, it could take. Well, I don't care how long it takes. You know, washing your hair, that's really, that's too much, you know. Um, and, uh, and then I also want to ask, you mean you don't wash your hair every day or more often than once a week? That's like, boy, that's, that's, that's getting strange. And so, uh, but, you know, um, anyway, you know, why? Why is this? Why does this happen? Some people don't have hair to worry about. And so, you know, washing their hair, you can't use that excuse. These are not flimsy excuses that these people give. These are the excuses of people who are doing good and they are busy. I bought land. I'm obligated to go see it. I've got business to do. 
the timing of this just didn't work out. I've bought, I've bought livestock. I, I've, I've got to go see to that. The, the fellow that I bought it from is expecting me to come see it because he wants to get paid. I can't refuse that obligation just to go to a banquet. The fellow that says I got married and I can't show up. You read Deuteronomy, being married would get you out of the military. I, I mean, that, that, so that's, that's up there. So if you can get out of the military, getting out of a banquet is no big deal. But these people are people who are doing well. They're getting married. They're buying stuff. And they have obligations. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Oh, we're all doing so well. We've got obligations. We've got stuff to do. We're prospering. We're doing well. And the Lord calls us into his kingdom. Sounds great, God, but I can't do it right now. Are we too busy with good things? to really accept the invitation to fully participate in the kingdom of God. This banquet between the end, you know, there was the fellow at the party who says, oh, it'll be great to go to the the banquet in the kingdom of God, won't it? I think he's a bit confident that he's got a seat at the table. And meanwhile, here in this life, he's just going to do whatever he wants. He's just going to go about life normally. But, hey, you know, banquets are good. But that end-time banquet, when we get to go sit at God's table, now that's going to be a winner. I've got my ticket. If we're not prepared to participate in the kingdom of God now, why do we think it's going to be any different then? Yeah, just think about that. Just think about that, okay? And and what I'm really wanting you to hear is not fear and worry and doubt. What I'm wanting you to hear is, why do we think it's going to be any different? I mean, the, 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 the banquet starts now. I mean, every Sunday, what do you come here and do when we pass these emblems? When we pass the blood? And when we pass the body of the Lord, the bread and the wine? What are are you doing? Are we not participating in a feast, in a community that represents God's grace? How can we be too busy about things now if we're expecting to really invest in what is of eternal importance later? The thing that I want you to hear is, if we know that we're heading towards that banquet in the kingdom of God, after the return of Jesus, then that ought to reset and redetermine all of our priorities right now. I mean, if you know that that's what's going to happen, then everything changes. You know, they have all these movies now where uh, people seem to know that there's a, you know, some sort of cataclysmic event that's about to happen. A meteor's coming to earth. It's going to you know, split the earth in two, there's some sort of, you know, destruction. And so in the movie, the premise of the movie is if we know that the world is going to end and it's going to end soon, then what are we going to do different with our lives? Suddenly people start doing all the things they ever wanted to do. They change their everyday ordinary life. Folks, you and I already know where all this is going. If we believe what we preach, if we believe in the message of our Savior, then we know what eternity looks like. We know that the kingdom of God wins. So if you've been waiting for an invitation to change things to what really matters, you've got it. And it doesn't come from me. It comes from the host. It comes 
from the master. And we can give all of our excuses about, well, you know, we're busy with many good things. We're doing this and we're doing that. Our host, our heavenly father, is interested in filling his house with guests. And this is why the other part of the story gets kind of interesting. He doesn't have a refrigerator. He can't put the banquet back and say, "Uh, okay, you know what? We'll pick another date when it's convenient for all of you. They had the invitation. He wants to have a banquet. People are going to be there. So he tells his servant, you go out and find people. In fact, why don't you invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame? These are the people that in that society you definitely would not invite. And mainly, not not just because they were necessarily judgmental or snobbish, but because those people, it was often assumed there's there's something wrong. They've sinned. You remember the story in the Gospel of John where the disciples see the man born blind and they say, hey, we've got a theological question. This fellow was born blind. Did he sin or was it his parents? I mean, this is obviously the judgment of God, right? So you'd want to have some distance. But Jesus is saying, no, we've got good news. And in fact, if you go back and look at Luke chapter 4, isn't it interesting how Luke connects all this? The first sermon that Jesus gives, he stands up in the synagogue and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to who? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The people who would have been considered outcasts. But they're the ones who get the invitation. Then the amazing news comes back. Hey, we invited all of them. There's still room. You want us to go ahead with the banquet? No, says the master. He says, I want you to go out to the highways and the hedges. You know, maybe you've heard that old song, and it's like, what is a highway and a hedge, and what's that got to do with anything? Yeah, th- th- these are travelers. These are people who are on the road. They're going places. They're strangers. They need hospitality. They need someone to show them care. He says, I want you, and did you notice that the language in the parable is, I want you to go out and compel them. Why do you have to compel people? Because they're going somewhere. He says, I don't know who they are. They're strangers. But you tell them to come and there's a banquet prepared. And they're going to feast like they've never feasted before. And you tell them there's a seat for them. Get them in here because I want this house full. We're going to have a banquet. Today, the, the good news that I want you to know is whatever you think, is keeping you from that banquet, if it's something about your life, your past, your story, God's invitation still comes to you because he wants his house full. And you don't have to let that be an excuse anymore. Some of us use our past, our sins, our situation as the excuse. And actually it becomes a tool that Satan uses against us and he puts an evil word in our hearts and in our minds that says you are not worthy of God's grace. And you know what's so tricky about that? It's because it's partly true. And Satan always uses a truth twisted just enough. You're not worthy of God's grace. I'm not worthy of God's grace. None of us are worthy of God's grace. That's why it's grace. We're just walking along the road and we get an invitation into the kingdom. It wasn't anything special we did. It's because the master is so gracious, he wants his house full. And so he invites you in. So don't refuse the invitation for that reason. That's why you need to accept it. 
But sometimes we think that, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, real com- I'm more comfortable being the host. I'm more comfortable being the person that, that, that puts on the party and invites everybody else in. I just want to be a worker for the Lord. That's me. That's me. I, I just, I don't, hey, you and I can be busy with so many good things. You know, if that's you, then put yourself in the story in the place of the person who's running out there inviting everybody. That person's still a servant. But that person can't make excuses because the servant in the story knows who his master is. And he's doing it because the master is the one that he seeks to please. This uh, interesting story about tables calls upon us to live in community with one another and with those that we don't even know in such a way that we are all guests at the house of the master who wants to show us such grace. The table manners that we need to have are the kind of manners that show respect to our host, to thank our host for what he's done to give us an invitation. And we certainly don't want to talk about others that are there for the banquet. It's more appropriate to talk to them about how much they're enjoying the banquet and how good the host is that's invited us in. So when we get busy worrying about who else is on the guest list, just forget it. Just quit that. Because the host is in charge of the guest list. You just need to enjoy being one of the guests. So, it's not my invitation, but it's the Lord's invitation to fully participate in the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean for you today? Does that mean that today's the day that you need to be baptized into Christ? Uh, Does that mean that today is a day when you need to confess that you've been worrying too much about the other people on the guest list? Is today the day that you just need to to be thankful? Um, I'm going to leave that to you, and I'm going to let God show you that. But would you just do this? Just ask, talk to the host, talk to the Lord, and let him reveal that to you. Now, as we stand and sing this song, we're going to give you a few options. Our shepherds are going to be down here. They're always willing to pray with people. They're going to be back there in room 100. But folks, let's just enjoy the feast that we've been invited to. It's the feast called the kingdom of heaven. And it's not going to stop. It's just going to get bigger and better when Jesus comes back. And I hope you're ready for it.